For the lesson is Proverbs verse 18, 19 through 21. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. From the fruits of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are the power of the tongue, and those who love it eats its fruits. Would you bow with me? Our Father and God in heaven, we're thankful for this beautiful day you've given us. We're thankful for this opportunity we have to gather together in this period of fellowship and worship. Father, we pray that things said and done here today is in accordance with our will. Father, we're so thankful we live in this country and even this part of the country where we have the opportunities like this for worship and freedom. Father, we had Brother Jim mention, but there's others in our congregation we know that in special need. We do not know all those needs, but we know that you do. We pray that if it's your will that you give a special comfort to them. Father, we ask you to be with the leaders of this church, the elders and deacons. We pray that you be with the uh, teachers and, and our preacher that brings a lesson to us each week. Father, we're so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for your plan to send him to this earth, to live among men and to teach and set an example, Father. And we're thankful for his death for our sins. These things we pray in his holy name. Amen. Number 828, lean on his arm. <clears throat> Number 828, and we'll sing the uh, first and fourth verses, please. <clears throat> lean on the mighty arm of Jesus, hide in the hollow of his hand, neath his protecting wings abide you, firm on the rock of ages stand. Lean on his arm, lean on his arm, hide in the hollow of his hand, lean on his arm, lean on his arm, firm on the rock of ages stand. Lean on the mighty arm of Jesus, and of his bound, let mercy share. <clears throat> Drink of the ever-living fountain, down by the rock, of ages roll, lean on his arm, hide in the hollow of his hand, lean on his arm. 
thank you. If you're using a book today and wish to mark our uh, song of invitation after Andy's sermon, it will be number 744, What Will Your Answer Be? Number 744. Now before Andy comes to speak to us, let's sing Learning to Lean. We just leaned on his arm, and now we need to learn even more how to lean. 877. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that we can be here together. Visitors, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and glad that we can come together and worship God. You're here, uh, whether you knew it or not, as a part of our uh, family month. Uh, we have been talking about the, the family this month, uh, our, our nuclear family, moms and dads, husbands, wives, children, uh, that sort of thing, but also our church family. And it is a wonderful thing for us to be gathered here together with our church family. Uh, J.A., we've got a lot of things going on this, uh, this week. I want to remind you about a couple of those things. Uh, this Saturday, I have to read it because uh, uh, it's, it's kind of confusing to me. The Fowlers did it, and it's amazing, but i got to read it just right. This Saturday is the Fall Family Food, Fun, and Fellowship at the Fowler Farm. All right, so Saturday, go to the Fowler Farm, have a good time. It'll be wonderful. Uh, make sure that you, I think there are some sign-up lists out and about, so make sure that you sign up uh, for that. Also, uh, on Sunday, this coming, next Sunday, uh, we have our next uh, men's ministry jam session uh, where we will have an opportunity for us to get together right after morning services. Uh, later this week, we're going to have some uh, molts delivered uh, to our playground, and we're going to go from the playground to the gridiron. Uh, so we're going to spread that mulch out on uh, Sunday right after morning services, and then we're going to watch the Titans game uh, either in the fellowship hall or in the gym. So men, uh, we need your help. Uh, not only do we uh, want you, would we like for you to be there? We we need you to be there. Uh, I don't want to have to get uh, Sean and Courtney to spread all the mulch by themselves. I actually won't be here, so I won't be spreading any of it. Uh, so they need you uh, to be here. So please make sure that you are here for that, and we'll have a wonderful time uh, along with that. Uh, speaking of that, next week we will wrap up our family month, and uh, we have one of our shepherds who's going to preach next Sunday morning, Don Vier, and he's going to be talking about spiritual hospitality spiritual hospitality. Now, I'm a big believer, a big believer that we need to be in each other's homes, but that's not at all what I'm talking about when we think about spiritual hospitality. We're thinking about when people from out in our community who uh, are, don't attend JA regularly or maybe don't attend any church regularly, when they come to our house, this place where we meet as our family, how do we greet them? 
How do we interact with them? How do we make them feel welcome? How do we make them feel welcome so much that they want to come back again and again and again and want to be a part of our family with our Father God? So spiritual hospitality will be the the wrapping up lesson for our family month. Please make sure that you're here. Encourage Don. He's going to do a great job. And then next Sunday night, uh, we have been working on for some time, Evan specifically, uh, because he's in charge of our education program, but a lot of others with him. We've been working on our adult Bible class curriculum and program and we're really trying to on Sundays and on Wednesdays and especially on Wednesdays as we implement it to be a little more purposeful to help you adults uh, we adults us as Christians be more purposeful in spiritual maturity if you're not coming to our Wednesday night Bible studies if you're not coming to Bible class on Sunday mornings you're missing a lot I'm glad you're here it's great to be here we're commanded to be here it's a privilege to come and bow before God and worship Uh, But it's very, very, very beneficial for you to come to our Bible classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. So if you're not doing that, I would encourage you to come and be a part of that. Next Sunday night, Evan's going to reveal uh, a lot of the information that you will, you can know ahead of time going into it. There's going to be a lot of different options, a lot of different classes. I hope that you will come and be a part of all of those things next Sunday. Uh, This Sunday, we're talking about in our family month series, communicating for a change. Communicating for a change. Now, you can mean that in two ways. You could mean it that you are communicating so something changes, and that's certainly a good way to be able to communicate, that you want to, at the end of your communication, you want there to be an action point. You want something to be, to be done, and that's a good way to communicate. But sometimes when we think about our families, whether that's our family at home or our family in the church or our family at work or wherever it might be, our family at school even, uh, sometimes we need to communicate for a change. Sometimes maybe we don't communicate very well. Or we need to improve our communication. That's really probably what we will talk about mostly uh, this morning. It never fails. It never fails. And Lena can attest to this, my wife. It never fails. Anytime I talk about or I have a sermon on communication, at some point during that week I communicate poorly. It, it, every single time. And, uh, and, and sometimes, even before, during, or afterwards, Lena will say, they got you to talk about that? Yes, it's true. Uh, the place that I communicate the most poorly is the place that I communicate the most frequently. And that's in my home. Maybe that's true for you. Maybe that's not true for you. It is absolutely true for me. And I do think that it is purposeful that God is at work when, when I'm talking about communication, I communicate poorly leading up to that sermon or that lesson. So I come to you this morning not as an expert in communication, not as someone who's got it all figured out, but someone who is trying to figure it out along with you. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We're going to do a few things this morning. We're going to go through James chapter 3, verses 2 through 10. It talks about the power and the danger of the tongue. We're going to reference a few other verses, read a few other verses, and then towards the end of the lesson, I want to give you some tips. Uh, And these, again, tips are not coming from an expert me, but they are coming from some research and some experience uh, from people who study this and think about this a lot longer, some tips for improving our communication. Uh, we're going to look at the, the Bible first of all because that's always where we need to start and we need to recognize and realize that the Bible, that God in his word tells us we need to be good communicators. That doesn't mean that you're good at standing up in front of people and talking, but it does mean that in your communication, whatever it is, you are good. Just like you're good when you're interacting with people in the community, you're good when you're trying to help your kids, you're good when you're listening to your parents. We need to be good 
in our communication. God has made us good, and we need to be good. James chapter 3, if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, uh, there's a black book on the pew in front of you, and you can turn in page uh, 1012. That will be where James chapter 3 starts, page 1012. Let's uh, start in James chapter 3 and verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. Well, we're going to stop right there. That was pretty quick, wasn't it? We all stumble in many ways. I I know that. You probably know that. We all, not that's all of us, stumble in many ways. And he's going to go on and say that if anybody is uh, able to, to control his tongue or to uh, use his tongue well, then he's a perfect person, emphasizing the idea that we, that, that we all struggle with our speech. We all struggle with how we use our tongue. We all struggle to use our words in godly ways all the time. But we all struggle in many ways. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, about verses 9 through 11, verses 9 and 10, you have a, a laundry list of sin. Uh, you are this, you are this, you are this, you are this, uh, all these different sinful things. And in verse 11 it says, and such were some of you, Corinthian Christians, it could be said of us today, such were some of you, but you were washed, washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified. I want to talk about those three words and one of them really quickly as we get into the lesson, okay? You were washed. That's in reference to baptism. But you were washed. You, you had sin in your life. You were doing these sinful things. You were doing things that God did not want you to do, but you were washed. You decided to become a Christian. You were baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. It says you were sanctified. Uh, to be sanctified means to be set apart. It's related to that word holy that we use a lot. That we are set apart for a certain thing. We'll come back to that one. And you were justified. And justified is the idea that God has made you right. You were not right. But God has made you right. Because you have submitted yourself and decided to become his follower and been baptized into Christ. So you were washed. All your sins are washed away. You were justified. You were not just. You were not right. Something was not right. God has now made you right. And then this morning, that's really important, what we want to think about is you were sanctified. There are two phrases, two uses of that word. One is you were sanctified. We are sanctified as Christians, but other passages describe it as you are being sanctified. You are, as a Christian, this morning, if you're a Christian, you are holy. You are set apart. And God has a specific thing, maybe specific things, he wants you to do. You are holy. You are sanctified. But I'm not perfect at that. How about you? I'm also being sanctified. In every part of my life, my mind is being renewed. Romans chapter one and chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. My mind is being renewed. I'm learning how to be more like Jesus. I'm growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am sanctified. In God's eyes, I am holy. I am justified. My sins have been washed away. But in my daily life, I am being sanctified. I have a desire, and I am putting forth effort. And thankfully, God is at work within me to make me more like him. That is true of your speech. You are being made holy. You are being sanctified in your speech. I emphasize that because there should be improvement in our speech we should be becoming more like christ in every aspect of our life and this morning we're thinking about our communication you should be more like jesus tomorrow in your communication than you are today and the next day and the next day and the next day we are being made holy back to james chapter 3 
Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. If you can control what you say, you can control anything, it says. You're able to bridle the entire body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they obey us, we direct them with their entire body as well. Verse 4, look at the ships also, that they are so great and driven by strong winds, but they are still directed by a very small rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot wills, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our existence and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. The tongue that you have in your mouth is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Listen to this passage right here in verse 10. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. And listen to this very last sentence that we're going to read from James 3. My brothers, these things ought not be this way. These things ought not be this way. You know, sometimes when you think about different or we talk about, you know, different things that maybe we struggle with, and especially when they're kind of attitude kind of things or, or personality type things or things like our speech, sometimes we say, we're tempted to say, maybe about ourselves, maybe about other people, especially our loved ones, we're tempted to say, ah, oh, you know, that's just the way they are. That's just their personality. That's just the way it is. God says, no, it's not. If that's the way it is, God says, it doesn't need to be that way. If that's the way they are, they don't need to be that way. We cannot just say, when we think about our communication, we can't just settle for what the world thinks is okay. God said, these things ought not be this way. Can you do better? Like me? These things ought not be this way. In our communication, we've got to get better. Other passages tell us about the importance of our words. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 35 through 37, it tells us that our our words, the words that we use, reveal what we're like internally and where we'll spend eternity. Notice what it says, Matthew 12, 35 through 37. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you, Jesus says, that every careless word, every word that you're not careful about, which means you need to be careful with every word, every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it on the day of judgment. Everything you've ever said, God knows. And you'll give an account for it on the day of judgment. Jesus goes on to say, for by your words you'll be justified, And by your words, you'll be condemned. Our speech should always make things better. Yes, our speech should always make things better. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. To each person, in each circumstance, in each situation, your words should be seasoned with grace. Your words should always always make things better. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8, before that passage, it says now it says this, but now you also put them all aside. Lay these things aside. Don't let these things be a part of your life. Anger, wrath, malice, 
slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. We need to know that if we are followers of Christ, if you are a Christian this morning, if you had dedicated your life, if you have wanted heaven and wanted the forgiveness of sin, and therefore you have dedicated your life to be a follower of Jesus, then Jesus says God makes it clear that he has an expectation that your words will be useful, they will be careful, they will be things that make the situation better, And he knows, God knows, James chapter 3, that it will not be easy. But he still expects us to do well. What are some consequences of poor communication? These are things that you've probably experienced in your life. Here are five. There are a limited, unlimited number, I suppose. Some consequences for poor communication. Number one, stress. Maybe you've had that in, in most of these Probably all of these, either communication, uh, consequences of poor communication or benefits of good communication, all of these have to do with relationship, right? The relationship with your spouse, the relationship with your children, the relationship with your boss, the relationship at church, all of these have to do with relationships. Communication and relationships go hand in hand. Without it, you don't really have a relationship, and your communication can make your relationship better or worse. So you have stress. You have unmet expectations. You have arguments. You have low morale. That again could be between individuals or, or a couple. That could be on a larger scale. That could be a congregation, a business. That could be a team. It could be any of those things. And dissatisfaction. So stress, unmet expectations, arguments, low morale, or low or no or dissatisfaction. You've been there probably in all of those five. In some form or fashion, in some relationship in your life, you've probably been there in, in a big cause of those things is poor communication. Here's some tips. And again, this has not come uh, from me, but it does come from some things that I've worked with a lot and some people who have done a lot of um, research into this. And this is not, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I'm not telling you how to do a speech. That's not what we're talking about this morning. How can I have good communication with my wife? How can I have good communication with my children? How can I have good communication with my parents? with the stranger on the street that I meet, with my next-door neighbor? How can I have good, healthy, godly, godly, godly communication with everyone I meet? I don't want to have just good communication. I don't want to be able to eloquently say my point. I want to praise God with my communication. Number one, what's your purpose? I speak from experience... When I say that jabs, quips, wisecracks, and being concerned with winning will not serve in making a situation better. Maybe you can speak from that experience as well. When you're in communication, when you're talking with someone, with anyone, with a large group, with another individual, whether it's at work or school, strangers or friends, children or parents or spouses, what's your purpose? What do you want to come from the end result of this communication? The golden rule is true in every aspect of our life. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Talk to others. Communicate to others. Speak to others. Not just the words that you say, but what you communicate with your face and with your body language and with the attention that you are giving them or not giving them. What are you communicating? What do you want the end of that to be? So consider your purpose as you go into a conversation. Number two, timing. Learn how to take a break. Learn how to take a break. You know as well as I do that in the heat of the moment, you will say something that you will regret. 
or maybe that's just me. In the heat of the moment, we say things that we regret. Learn how to take a break. Learn how to recognize that you need a break. If you are frustrated and your fists are clenched to your sides, you need a break. If you feel your face feels warm and it's turning red, you need a break. If you can say that you're, you know you're about to say something and you have that thought, that God-trained conscience in the back of your mind that says, hey, you don't want to say that, you need a break. Learn whatever it is for you that indicates that you're about to do something that as soon as you do it, you're going to regret it. I've been there. How about you? Learn to take a break. But also, agree to come back and talk about it. A a lack of communication can be just as detrimental as no communication. A lack of communication can be just as bad as no communication. Because when you have a lack of communication, it's like a pressure cooker. That there's resentment and there's uh, disappointment and dissatisfaction and low morale and the stress. And it's a pressure cooker. And you will talk about it at some point. You will talk about it at some point. It may be a blow up and, they'll, and you or they or whoever it might be will recall what happened five years ago. You will talk about it at some point or you will yell about it at some point or whatever else your communication may look like. It's better to agree to come back and talk about it when you've both calmed down or whoever, whatever group it is has calmed down. I keep saying both. Can you tell where my poor communication comes from and it's mostly my fault. Maybe it's all my fault. I'll just go ahead and say that. It's all my fault. Number three, speaking assertively and listening actively. Speaking assertively and listening actively. Assertive, assertiveness is not being rude and rudeness is not being assertive. Assertiveness is the ability to clearly make your point without being rude. Now, usually, in our culture, we want to make a point, what do we do? We talk louder. And if they get louder, we get louder. And we want to be heard. And I don't care what you think. I want you to hear what I have to say. And not only do we get louder, but our attitude gets meaner. Our attitude gets less godly. Uh, No one is a mind reader, so we have to be able to tell each other. Did you hear that? No one is a mind reader. No one is a mind reader. Nobody is a mind reader. You have to tell. If you have an expectation for someone to meet, for a group to meet, for a boss to meet, for an employee to meet, you have to tell them that because they will not know it unless you tell them that, no matter how well you think they know you or how well they think they know you. Again, assertiveness isn't being rude and rudeness isn't assertiveness, but it is clearly and directly stating your desire your need, your expectation. And then active listening. What does it mean to to listen actively? Well, it means to be quiet, to start with. We're to be quick to hear and slow to speak. In Proverbs, it tells us that even the fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, is considered wise. But that's not the way our culture, that's not the way our world works. But Christians, we're not supposed to be like the world, are we? We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be godly. We need to listen more And maybe more intently than we speak. Active listening. Listen to to what it means. It means that you are able to understand what you hear so well. That you can restate it in a way that the one speaking to you agrees that you understand what they're saying. Let me say that again. So hopefully you'll be able to understand what I'm saying. Active listening means that you have listened, listened so well 
that you can restate in your own words what they said, and they will agree that you understand what they said. Now, understanding doesn't mean that you agree with them. Understanding doesn't mean that you say, okay, that's what we'll do. But understanding is the basis for communication. If you don't understand where someone's coming from, then you can't move forward with where you will need to go. You need to understand them, and they need to understand you. And you will not do that. We will not do that. I will not do that. If we don't listen purposefully. Again, understanding doesn't mean that we agree with them or we accept their desires. But without that understanding, there will be no opportunity to progress in communication. To reach an agreement about how we should move forward. And then lastly, after you've purposed in your mind, what do I want to accomplish with this interaction with this person or this group of people and you've taken the time to make sure you're calm and level-headed. It doesn't mean you're not passionate about it. You can still be passionate. But remember, rudeness and assertiveness are not the same thing. You can be assertive and passionately assertive and not be rude. And you've taken the time to clearly state your point and clearly listen to and understand someone else's point. And you understand it so well that they, under, they recognize that you do understand what they're trying to say. And you're both on that same page. And you come to an agreement. Well, when you come to an agreement in your communication, you need to work diligently and revisit that issue regularly, perhaps. Continue to communicate about what you've communicated. If you agree to do something, do it. And hold each other accountable for what each of you agree to do. And in the midst of communication, uh, maybe agree to sit down and talk about it again and adjust as needed. These are things that we need to do in order to have good communication. What are some benefits of good communication? We've talked about the consequences of poor communication. Uh, teenagers, parents, kids, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, parents and grandparents, church members. What are some things that would be good if we would honestly take the time to have good, godly conversation and communication? Number one, you would avoid, or at the very least, combat miscommunication or misunderstandings. Most of the biggest problems that I've ever seen in the church have been not because of doctrinal disagreements, but because of misunderstandings. Not taking the time to understand where other people are coming from and understanding what they really mean. We need to avoid or combat misunderstandings. You do that with good communication. Not with yelling at each other, not with uh, hardening your heart against one another, but with good communication. Number two, good communication builds respect and trust in a relationship. Someone is willing to open their heart to you and say, hey, this is how I feel, this is what I think, this is the help that I need. And the person, if, if it's a good, worthwhile relationship, then if you open yourself and say, hey, I need this from you, then the person, again, if it's a good, a good relationship, they're going to try and meet that need in a positive way. Number three, there's no need to, to guess. You don't have to guess about what they like or dislike, about what they want or don't want. You know their desires because they have clearly stated them to you. And yes, this is somewhat stereotypical, but I generally say and, and remind ladies uh, when I do uh, premarital counseling, again, as I've already said, uh, ladies, men are not men, uh, mind readers. Uh, ladies, the, the, your husband, he, he loves you with everything he's got, but he cannot read your mind. If you want him to do something, tell him to do something. And most of the time, he'll probably want to do it for you. He'll probably want to help you. Husbands, make that true. He'll probably want to do that for you to make you happy. Number four, 
good communication saves time. There's no need to go back and fix things because you've avoided the problem to begin with. Or, even if there is a problem, good communication saves time because rather than just one person, one individual trying to go back and fix it, you go back and fix it as a team. Whether that's spouses or groups or whatever it is. It's not just one person trying to fix an issue. Everybody works together to fix the issue. And number five, you learn new things about each other. Good communication keeps relationships fresh and new. And again, that's true in marriages and maybe that's generally where my my thoughts are coming from. But it's true in everything. You learn more about people, the better communication that you have. And the more you learn about people, the better you can treat people. God wants us to have good communication. The tongue is a restless evil. You have that. Within your being, it's a restless evil that's set among our members to to guide our entire body, our entire life, our entire existence. And it's set on fire by the course of hell. We've got to be careful about our tongues. It's not okay to just say, well, that's just the way I am. You know, I know I'm kind of rude. You know, I know I'm kind of short with people sometimes. That's just my personality. God says these things ought not be that way. If I want to be more like Jesus, these things ought not be that way. And I know that's not easy. It's not easy in in whatever your struggle is. Maybe your struggle is not your speech. But, but you know if there's something that doesn't match up with God's standards, those things ought not be that way. And we've got to be careful and diligent to work on those things. You know, God has communicated to us, hasn't he? God has communicated clearly through his actions and through his word that he loves us. John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. God loved you enough to send his son to die on the cross for you. Not only has he, he communicated his, his love to us, but he's also told us to go and communicate that love that he has for all mankind to other people. You know Jesus' words in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, go and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, and whoever does not believe shall be condemned. He has told us, now that we have the communication from him, to go and share that communication, that good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has been clear. He has communicated well. He has been clear about his expectations for us and his promises to us. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has promised us the forgiveness of our sins. But Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 that if we don't pick up our cross daily and follow after him, then we're not worthy of him. It's not just about a one-time thing, a one-time desire, some, some emotional event that leads us to say, yes, I'll be a follower of Jesus. It's about a daily dedication to pick up that responsibility every day and follow Jesus. So God has communicated to us. God has told us to communicate the good news to others. God has encouraged us to be good communicators in all of our relationships this morning If you're not a Christian, or even if we are Christians, the question for us is, what will our answer be? God has said, hey, this this is what I want. This is what I expect. This is how you ought to live. And he showed it to us within his word that everyone can have very easy access to. Today we've talked about communication, and God has said, I want you to communicate well. 
I want you to talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ well. I want you to talk to your spouses well, your children well, your parents well. I want you to go out to the community and talk to them well. I want you to communicate well, to be good in your communication. God wants us to do that. But more importantly, this morning, perhaps for you, if you're not a Christian, God has told you, not just with words, but in action, that he loves you and that he wants to be with you and he wants you to be with him. He wanted that so much that Jesus came and died for us. If you believe this morning, if you believe this morning that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God and you're willing to name him as the Lord of your life, repenting of your sins and deciding to and trying to and not doing it perfectly but doing it faithfully, live for him according to what he has communicated to us that he wants, then why not be baptized? Why not be baptized into Christ where all your sins are washed away? Where you put on Christ where all spiritual blessings are, where there's no condemnation and no separation from the love of God? Why not become a Christian today if you're not? And Christians, why not live for our Lord today if we haven't been? Uh, It's our practice here at JA to sing a song here in just a second. So I ask you to stand and sing in just a a moment. And if you want to come and communicate to us, because I'm not a mind reader, I don't know what's going on in your life. But I want to help. Everybody here does. I want to help you get to heaven. I need your help to get to heaven. If you have something that you need to let us know about, a sin that you're struggling with, a difficulty that you're going through, and you want us to pray for you, we'd be happy to do that. If you're ready this morning to put Christ on in baptism, there's nothing better we could do today than to do that. If you have any needs at all, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.